and not necessarily just because they may not have food on the plate, but because their hearts are broken, yeah? And so what I want you to do today with me, if you would, is fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith and the one who gives us hope that is for tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after that. We are in a series called I Am Jesus, and we are talking about a particular phrase that he spoke to a particular friend of his that was in grief. That's what we're going to talk about today. So you may relate a little. We have been talking about this for a few weeks now, but if you've missed anything, please go to the website, go and check out the app. The app is fantastic. Uh, I use the app when I'm listening to Pastor Stan preach, and I love it because there's little words that I can fill in and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Grab the app. It's really great to read along with the notes of the message. And of course, you can check it out on the website. I am the resurrection, said Jesus. When did he say this? He said this to a friend of his, Mary. Mary, the sister of, sorry, to Martha, I should say, to Martha, the sister of Mary. Mary and Martha, you know those two? Fairly famous story about one that worked and one that worshipped. And, and there's been lots of unpacking of that kind of idea over the, over the years. Should we work or should we worship? And the answer is yes. But he spoke this word to a friend of his who was in grief because her brother had died. Her brother had died. We've all experienced death. We've all experienced grief. And, and we've all experienced it, in, you know, that's, that's close to our heart or distant. We feel empathy for those who are in pain or we feel it ourselves. And it's a complex emotion to feel. It's a complex thing to work through. And it takes, for some people, it seems to take two days. And for some people, it never ends. We're complex beings. We're emotional, spiritual beings. We're not just logic. I can't just reason this away. And this is why I love my Jesus. Because when he speaks to me, he speaks to the whole of me. Not just to the head, but to the heart and to the soul of me. So if you hear something today that you don't quite understand, don't worry. Sit with it a while. People of faith have been sitting with this stuff for a couple of millennia already. If you don't understand it today, if it doesn't sink in, it's okay. You can stay with that word. I am the resurrection. Jesus said, I am your hope. I am here to revive, to bring to life, to take that which is dead and bring it back to life. There's this beauty and this amazing thought that he knows that that, that what happens between our birth and our death, the two things that we can conceive of, is his. He can look after that for you, but he's also giving us a hope for the things that we can't see after that because we are spiritual beings. And as much as we can talk about the reason for our faith and the logic and, and the nature of Christ, we can prove his person, we can prove that he lived on earth, we can do all of that. Mostly you have to stop for a moment and go, but the faith part of it is knowing that a God who came as a baby, grew up as a man, is still part of my journey today. That's the faith part. The faith part that says, I am the resurrection. I am your hope. And he said, to, he said to Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the life. This seems like something kind of insensitive to say to someone who is going through grief uh, and, 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 and knowing her brother has just died. And there's a whole narrative we'll get into in, in a minute. But here's the way I started to think about it. There's the two things we know. There's death and there's life. I know I'm born. I know I'm here. I know I'm breathing. 
I don't know how that all came to be. I don't actually want to think about it if I tell you the truth. Just got weird in here. I was born. And I know 100% of us are going to die. Now, if I left it kind of there, that would be a really sad thing to leave it on. But I believe that what Jesus says in this one statement is about the peace that happens between those two points. Death, life, and the peace between. See, we all want to be known, right? We all want to be known. We want to be known for the whole of who we are. But so often we struggle thinking that person has misunderstood me, that person has has misinterpreted me, that person has left me out or put me down or whatever it happens to be. And I want you to know that you are not in an exclusive club. If you are feeling that way, guess what? The person beside you has that testimony as well. You are amongst good company. It's just the parts of you that you wish people knew, the parts of you where you've made a mistake and you wish people knew that you you were trying hard to get better those kinds of things. There's the known parts about us, but underneath all of those things are the unknown parts. The unknown parts are the hardest parts to understand. And can I just put to you, if this is how you feel about yourself, apply this to your faith life and it starts to become a bit more positive. Because there's things you know about Jesus, but there's a whole lot you don't know. And that's why we explore this together for that entire period between our birth and our death. And that's why I don't begrudge anyone who has spent a season in faith life and spent a season outside of faith life. You and I both have friends who used to be in these rooms lifting their hands and now they're throwing stones at the glass walls of the church. It's okay. My God can handle that. My God can handle wherever you are up to. There is lots more to be known about him, especially about his grace. We are complex beings. You've seen this iceberg picture before where where it's like there's there's the known knowns, things that we're aware that we know. I know that my heart is beating. I know that I ate this morning, those kinds of things. There's the unknown knowns, things that we're unaware that we know. They just sort of come to you and you're like, oh, I didn't realize I knew that, right? Party DNA. The known unknowns, you're following me so far? Things that we're aware that we don't know. I don't know how to build a rocket ship apparently sometimes not a spacex but that's a whole they blow up a lot of those things i'm just putting it out there and then there's the unknown unknowns now when it comes to ourselves those things are really really complex and people will try to reflect things to us and we'll have moments where we learn about ourselves and moments where we shut down and we're complex beings that's all i'm saying there but when it comes to jesus he wants you to know him and that's why it's important to talk about identifying jesus How do you go about identifying Jesus? Well, here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He actually did it himself, and he did it especially in these I am statements. This particular famous one that we're talking about, I am the resurrection and the life. When he said, I am the resurrection, he was speaking to this idea that he has victory over death. Death is still our enemy. It says so in 1 Corinthians 15. Death is still our enemy. It's still an ugly thing. And it wasn't part of the original design, but we have to deal with it. And yet, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, it's quoting Hosea, but it says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? And of course, we sing that as part of Handel's Messiah at Christmas most years, don't we? And it comes up in lots of these songs. That's where that scripture 
scripture is from, you need to, you need to get, a, get a hold of that one in your heart. Because if he is the resurrection, then death's sting goes away. It's still ugly. It still causes grief. It still causes pain. We are not supposed to live in some sort of fantasy land where it doesn't. We have to acknowledge it. But we need to know that in faith, the sting is gone. I'm the resurrection and the life, not just the resurrection. I am the life is what Jesus says right here, right now. In John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And we know that because each of us has a version of that story in our lives where we felt like uh, it was all working. And then something got stolen from me. Uh, Something about it, my joy was stolen. It was killed. It was shut down. But he's the resurrection. And he's the life. And he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, if you apply this to every region, every corner of our planet, that scripture speaks to every soul. How is that possible? Because you might see your life as full and beautiful because of the things you have and the safety you're in. But half the planet isn't in that position, and yet this scripture still rings true. This is a promise that you can take with you all around the world. I'm looking at my friends Jackie and Lisa who live on the other side of the planet, and they carry this hope with them, and they give it to other people, even though publicly they're not supposed to kind of talk about it much. But it changes who we are. It creates a light inside of us that the world cannot deny so we need to identify Jesus by letting Jesus identify himself this 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 story that we're talking about in John chapter 11 where where Lazarus dies and Mary and Martha sort of deal with the aftermath just before that in John chapter 10 Jesus has actually given us a whole lot of tips a whole lot of identifiers as to who he is John 10 17 to 21 says The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. There's a tip right there. Jesus gave us this understanding that we are to lay down our lives, not just for anything, but for the glory of God. You will see this in people that are raising children and loving people. They lay down, they give of themselves and they pour themselves out for the benefit of others. That is a uniquely Christian thing, I believe, to do. It's one of those things that says, I will lay down my life. Even while we were still sinners, he took up the cross for us, right? He, he, knew, he gave us grace when we didn't deserve it. He still keeps doing that. He was identifying himself and his character to the people. Further on in that chapter in verse 37, it says, do not believe me unless I do what my father does how bold is that I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff but don't even believe me unless you see evidence unless you see outcomes unless you see me reflecting the father this is Jesus talking he was humble enough to say I'm going to make a whole lot of statements I'm going to tell you that you need salvation I'm going to tell you that you've fallen short and you need my father But I'm also going to tell you that you're not to believe me unless you see God reflected in me. The ultimate integrity. At the end of that chapter, you see this moment where Jesus crosses over the Jordan and he goes back to the place where John had been baptizing, a place where he had been baptized. Of course, John, has, John the Baptist has long since died and he's there. This is the, the friend that Jesus cried about as well early on. And it says this, And many people came to him there. 
And they said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. Why was it true? Because they'd observed it. They'd seen it play out. He had said, don't believe me unless you see the Father reflected in me. They see him. They follow him. They go out to the desert where he had been originally baptized. And they say, check it out. John didn't do any miracles like this dude. But everything John said about this guy, remember when John looked at him and he saw him coming in the desert and he said, behold the Lamb of God whose shoes I am unworthy to tie. And then Jesus in humility goes into the river and gets baptized anyway. That Jesus, that John, this is a moment where people come and they see it play out and they have heard everything Jesus said. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Many believed. What is it you believe? Do you believe? Can you bring yourself to believe? What have you observed of Jesus and what have you observed of Jesus' people? My friends, this is where the challenge is for the church. We represent that Jesus. So we got to do our best to do that well. Death, life, and the peace between. I want you to walk with the shalom that we are promised, the peace that passes understanding that we are promised. As I look on this crowd and as I look down the barrel of that lens and I look to those people who are online every single week, so many of you can't actually physically be with us in the building for all sorts of reasons that you can't control, but you have peace because of Jesus and and somehow gathering like this actually gives us that comfort it gives us that sense of I'm not alone in this I walk together with others there are a lot of issues in my life that you can try and empathize with have sympathy for me about but you can't fix them but you know what even Jesus didn't have a savior complex even Jesus didn't have a savior complex He said, just follow me, trust me, and watch what I do. So identifying Jesus is important, but identifying Jesus in you is even more important. Here's the thing. We can identify you in lots and lots of ways. We can identify you with an iris scan, a finger scan, a face scan, a foot scan. We can identify you by your DNA with a hair cell, a a skin cell. We can identify you by, by, by photo. We can identify you by a breath print. I can get your metadata from the metaverse and I can identify you. There's lots of ways to identify you. But when I get those things, I don't get much about you. I grew up in the 90s. Spice Girls, David Beckham, that sort of gear. I was a new kids on the block kind of kid. And that small giggle means that a lot of you weren't there. (laughs) But in the 90s, we didn't have mobile phones and all. Well, we did, but they were large and heavy and you you could afford one phone call a week. And you made it to your mother to ask for more money to pay for your phone bill. But in the 90s at uni, they gave us ID cards. And here's mine. I'm leaving. You guys. Now, what this is, these are called pixels, everybody. Laminated. Laminated. Beautiful, I'll tell you, it's beautiful. Now. You know what you can see? My head. (laughs) I've been told it's big my whole life. Don't worry about it. I even made it bigger with the hair. But now I have learnt, or God has taught me. (laughs) 
You can only see my head. You can't see my heart. That identifies me, but you don't know me from a bar of soap. I kind of know what that kid was thinking because I was there. (laughs) And when I see those images, I'm reminded of those seasons of those times and and even the things that God did in our lives in those times. But but here's, here's the thing, between life and death, there's a peace that we need between. And the only difference between life and death is a heartbeat. It's the heartbeat. You can see my head, you can't see my heart. But we're talking about a Jesus that said, I am the resurrection and life. I am for you. I am with you. I am the one who raises you. I am the one that brings you life and hope. So in John chapter 11, we start the start of the story like this. Now, a man named Lazarus was dead. A man named Lazarus was dead. This was a friend of Jesus. And, and his sisters had come to him and said, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. But the scripture records that Jesus didn't leave straight away. He was only a few kilometers down the road from where Lazarus was. His sisters, of course, were the ones that had experienced the work and the worship. They'd been told that they need to sit at his feet and learn and worship while he is still with us. And in John chapter 11, Jesus will reiterate that teaching, while the light is with you, you need to walk in the light. For, for, for when a man walks in the light, he doesn't stumble. That, that scripture is in this chapter as well. They had understood what it was to worship Jesus and to work with that as well. And so they come to Jesus and say, your friend Lazarus, our brother, is dying. He's sick. And the scripture records that Jesus waited. He waited. That seems kind of cruel when you're like, but Jesus, you're the guy that heals people. What are you even doing? Why are you waiting? Anyone in the room or online being disappointed with God's timing? Have any of us lived long enough to know that that timing always works out? Whether we understand it or not, this is the hope that we carry, that he knows from the life point to the death point. He knows all of this stuff in between, and that's where we're to live in peace. I'm saying it simply, but understanding it in all of its complexity. You need to explore Jesus and find out what you believe. This is what it says a few verses later. Lazarus died. And in John eleven thirty five, 35, we see the shortest verse in the scriptures recorded. It just says, Jesus wept. Now, why would he weep if he knew what was going to happen next? Why? Because Jesus understands us, walks with us, empathizes with us, feels what we feel. He says, there's nothing that you have experienced that I haven't experienced. I weep with those who weep. I mourn with those who mourn, but joy comes in the morning. That's the promise that we carry. That's the hope that we have. But we need to appreciate for a moment the beauty of this humanity. Where Jesus walked onto the scene and there were many people who had come to Bethel that day. Because again, Jerusalem was only a few k's down the road. They'd come to Bethel that day and they had wept with Mary and Martha over the death of their brother Lazarus. 
He says, Jesus says to them, this is all going to work out for the glory of God. It says this in verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than three kilometers from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Now, just like we didn't blame Martha for cooking and cleaning, and we didn't blame Mary for being the one that looks good in that story of sitting there worshiping, so too here we see the humanity I'm thinking that Mary stayed home out of grief because she knew knew the beauty of Jesus, but she stayed home. Martha comes to Jesus. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. You want to see faith? That's faith right there. My brother has died. I am in grief. You didn't come when I asked you to come. This is not the right timing, but I know my God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. This is wild stuff. That's not a sentence you expect to hear. That's kind of like Mary fear not as a giant angel stands in front of you. Like this is, this is one of those ones where you hear God, you think, did God just speak? And you're like, should I, should I let my hopes be raised or should I measure them? And should I put, you know, you're sort of living in that tension and they're already in grief. And he says, Martha, your brother, will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Again, she's into her head. She's not thinking with her heart. She's thinking with her head. I know that. That scripture is, 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 in, is in the scripture and, and it says that on the last day we'll all be raised with him. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this. This is the question that Jesus asks of each one of us. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Death, where is your sting? Death, we have victory over you. I have the victory through Christ. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Do you believe this? Not, 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 the, not the people in the narrative in here that we've never met, but the person sitting in your seat. Do you believe this. Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. There's only a few points in the New Testament where we see people actually saying who Jesus actually is. We see his disciples say it to him once, you are the Christ, you are the Saviour. And Jesus says to his disciples, that, that wasn't revealed to you by human knowledge. That was revealed to you by heaven. This is a thing that clicks in our hearts. It moves that 12 inches from the head to the heart. Because when you look at my idea, you just see my head. You don't see my heart. But Jesus actually does see your heart. And he says to you, I am the way, the truth and the life. There's no way to life without the truth. And here's the truth. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? The narrative goes on and it, and it explains this incredible supernatural miracle, this creative miracle. And it says, Lazarus was raised. 
even after four days in the tomb, because they're thinking with their head, they're going, don't open that tomb, it's going to stink. Jesus says, this is so that my God, my Father, heaven will get the glory. And it says, Lazarus was raised and the people believed. They worshipped. Jesus waited. The timing was all wrong. Jesus wept. He felt the sorrow and the pain. And through that testimony, God was glorified and then people believed. Do not believe me unless you see the Father's work in me. Don't believe me unless you see the Father's work in me. Jesus himself said that. So let's get over ourselves and just try and live this life as best we can, shining the light of Jesus. Jesus told us who he was. He identified himself with us. And you know what they did? They got a bit stressed about it. See, this is the weird thing about humanity. When power comes into play, and people feel like they're going to lose their influence, their power, their leadership, their ownership over whatever people economy they're in, they're in charge of, whether it's just small family units, large billion-dollar companies or nations, it's all the same. We all worry about whether we get to be in control and whether we get to be in charge. And so you know what the Scripture records? The Scripture records that for the billionth time, they decide they might stone Jesus for just, you know, raising a guy to life. And this is the word, this is the weird sort of anomalous thing that happens with hope. You go out into the world and you say, Jesus loves you. And they go, get stuffed. You know, I have hope that I can share with you. And they go, ah, I don't want to know about it. Actually, please shut up. Actually, here's some comments online just to shut you down and impugn your character or whatever it happens to be. What is it about the negative nature of our heads that refuses to let the ice crack around our hearts so that we understand that he is the resurrection and the life that's a pretty simple answer it's called pride it's called pride so the question jesus asks us as he identified himself with us is do you believe there's birth that we know is provable because you're all here and there's death that we know is imminent and will happen to all of us. In fact, you know what? Lazarus died again. Wasn't life forever at that point. And some people live on this side of the ledger of like death is just this thing that's on their mind all the time and they fear the reaper and they're in this negative headspace all the time. And then there's other people that live on this side of the ledger and everything's happy and everything's joyful and we just kind of deny all the darkness and the darkness doesn't even exist and we're just going to live in this bubbly world over here. And people over here do not like the people over here. And people over here really, really don't like the people over there. And this is where the emo kids hang out, and this is where the pop kids hang out, and everyone knows the rock and blues kids are where it's at. Because <laughs> you have to admit that there's sadness, but it's a bittersweet life, and there's a beauty in all of it. And this is the nature of Jesus' story, identifying himself with us, that he weeps with us and celebrates with us. He knows us inside out, not just the face that you see, but the heart inside of you. That's the Jesus that we're talking about, the I am, the resurrection and the life Jesus. That Jesus, he lives right smack in the middle and he says, you don't need to fear death because that's swallowed up in my victory. And you don't need to worry about that because I've got that in hand too. I created you in your mother's womb, Psalm 139. Search me and know my heart. No, right? That, that scripture there, that goes on to say, you know me perfectly inside and out. I, Jesus doesn't care what you know. <laughs> he cares what you understand. And that's the walk we do with him between death and life. 
There is a peace between. And I want to encourage us today to hold on to that. As we look at this I am statement, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. There's a beautiful scripture that for me sums this whole thing up. I was talking to Pastor Stan earlier and I said, mate, this, this John 11, you could, you could preach for three years on John 11. I've told you almost nothing about it. So you get to explore. You get to go and check it out yourself. Go and check out John 11, read it through a few times. Don't just, don't just read it quickly. Let it sit with you. Let it be understood. Because then later on, the writer of Romans puts it this way. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Not identifying your head. I'm identifying what's going on in your heart. And it's because of that understanding and that wisdom that has come to you, that's what justifies you. You did nothing to earn the grace. But the grace is there for you. The grace is there for you. And you know what? As messed up as I've, as, as messy as my life has become at times, as, as, as many times as I have messed up, there is grace for that. And there is grace for you too. And some of you are thinking, no, there's not. You don't know what I've done. I know. I know I don't know what you've done. But he does. And you know what he's done? Everything to deal with what you've done. Everything. Everything. What you've done pales into insignificance compared to what he's done. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Friends, if you've never professed a faith with your mouth, it may be because you've never taken the time to let the knowledge drop from the head to the heart. Because it's with your heart that you believe. Jesus came to Martha and said, do you believe? Jesus stood in front of the, the people gathered around him there on the other side of the Jordan and he said, do you believe? Jesus stood outside that grave and he said, do you believe? believe some people fell at his feet in worship and other people bent down and picked up stones to throw some of you are kind of holding on to that stone ready to chuck it ready to say this gospel doesn't work for me this Jesus doesn't work for me do you know how much evil there is in the world? How on earth would you dare say that Jesus knows what happens in the middle, that I can have peace in the middle and you're ready to throw that rock? But here's what humility does. Puts the rock down and it draws in the sand for a little while and it waits until what we think we know is kind of overcome with who he is. Because you don't know me. 
When I preach, you get to know a little bit about me and when I sing or something like that, but you don't know me. My wife and I have been married for 21 years. She's still trying to figure me out. And I pray for her daily. But I don't know you either. I know parts of you. But the I am that I'm talking about is a Jesus that knows all of you. Father God, would you speak to our hearts? Would you let us know who you are? Would you give us that truth? Would you help us believe in our hearts so that we can speak with our mouth that you are the God of all eternity? From death to life, you bring us peace in between. My friends, if there's anyone in the room this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anyone in the room this morning or online in that space and you want to say, I've never prayed that prayer, Pastor. I've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And you know the prayer because Pastor Stan teaches it to us every week. Jesus, come into my life. Pray that prayer. Confess with your mouth that you need Him. Let Him know that you need him. He has identified himself to you. Do you believe? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that death is swallowed up in his victory? Do you believe that he came to give you life more abundant? Do you believe? Because if you do, speak that with your mouth. I believe.